Hello again, my little stormers. I hope that you have all been well and healthy during this terrible time, like regarding the insane pandemic that is still ravaging our nation and uh, quite a few other parts of the world still. I'm your host, Milena, and my co-host Jake isn't here today, but as it's been, it's just our lives have been absolutely crazy. But um, I'm so happy to be back on track, and I do want to give you our most sincere apology for being absent since June. It's been, you know, kind of a tough time for me because um, I just had a hysterectomy in July, and a lot of other things were going on, but I hope that we still have some listeners that, you know, we had before we took our break. Um... And obviously, please don't forget to tell your friends and family about our little podcast uh, so that we can start to grow a little bit more. Um, <laughs> I like to feel like I am doing something productive for you guys. Um, we do still have our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages up. Um, please feel free to hop on there and interact with us. I love hearing from you guys, and it, it's nice to see that there are people that do you know, still want to interact with us, <laughs> but you guys are fantastic. Um, I cannot even begin to tell you how much I missed all of you. So today's going to be a pretty special episode because I'm going to include a lot of great content. Um, it's actually gonna be like three different topics all kind of like morphed into one. So um, let's get right into it. The first thing that we're going to hear about is one of the most bizarre experiences that I've ever heard of. And it was from a man who died and came back to life. Uh, the next is a legend about a spooky grim reaper type person. It's actually a Celtic legend. And, uh, lastly, I have some terrifying alien encounters, um, that I wanted to scare the crap out of Jake with. So hopefully he'll listen to this episode. (laughs) So, um, yeah, hold on to your butts and join us in our storm of knowledge and legends. Um, This is a firsthand account of a man named Guido who died and was brought back from the dead. And this is his story. I quote, I died on August 19th, 2011. Near my house in Arizona, I was fully engulfed by the blackness. There also, oh, sorry, that's all there was. I was not in my body. I was not with my body. I was not part of my body. But for a while, I was still somehow aware of it. It was black and pleasant and nothing. I was dead and that was it. I had been working out of the park on Hobson Street. Hobson Street, sorry. And I had collapsed on my way home. I managed to stand and get myself to a picnic table. I put my head down to see if the wooziness would pass. And I woke up to the sound of sirens. I thought somebody, oh, I thought somebody saw you and fall and pass out and thinks that you're drunk. They may have called an ambulance or the fire department. I knew it was best to avoid all of that shit. I assumed that whatever was wrong with me, maybe a subdermal hematoma, I could deal with at home. I stood up and set off. I remember crossing Hobson Street and that, oh, the street that separates the park from my block. I reached my street and I thought about how... I had gotten covered just fine. Oh, I thought about, (laughs) I thought I got this covered just fine. I don't remember collapsing again. The next memory that I have was this animal outside of my body. I I was looking around for a nesting place to leave my limp corpse. I decided to drag it behind the billboard for safekeeping. Doing that brought some confusion on my mind. And since there are no billboards on Hobson Street, nevertheless, I remember tucking my body away behind an imaginary advertisement sign. I felt safe and relaxed as everything went black. I was comfortable and dark and sweet. It was almost as good as pleasuring a woman. There's hardly anything better than that. A long time later, from the depths of the darkness, I had heard a sound. I had heard someone unearthing my body from its hiding place. They were dragging it out from behind the sign. Then I went back into the blackness and didn't notice anything for a long time. Suddenly I became aware that someone was puncturing my body. 
I recognized it as it felt like a sharpened stick that jabbed under my ribcage. It was an ugly feeling, particularly compared with the blackness. I thought, Jesus Christ, these are some savage motherfuckers. Who the fuck would do something like this? But it got worse. Someone had began wire brushing my chest. I could feel the scrape of my skin pulling off. There was another sharpened stick through my rib cage on the other side and another pinch in my thigh. I thought that these savage, I thought, oh, I thought, what are these savage fuckers up to? Can't they just leave my body where I left it? I kept going back into the black, able to ignore the clawing and stabbing, but it finally became so frequent, all the sticking and brushing and agitating my body I believed I had hidden, or I had safely hidden, I thought, I need to go back for a second and sort this thing out, then I'll go back to the blackness. I opened my eyes, and I recognized the man leaning over me as a first responder because of the insignia on his shirt. I first, or I had been a first responder in the past, so I knew what he was doing. He shouted, stay with me, buddy. Stay with me. Your pulse is only 13. He began the barrage of questioning. He wanted to know my address, my phone number. He told me if I close my eyes, he'll have to hit me with the electricity again. I remember my mind, oh, I remember my time as a first responder. I knew that this is the only way to stop the torture that he was trying to do to me. That, oh, then... They got my girlfriend from my house, and I hoped that she would say that he has a lot of medical experience. He knows what he's doing. Just let him go back home. I hoped that they would all leave me alone so I could go back to the black place. But no, she told them to get my ass out of there, and we went to the hospital. People talk about seeing the light are full of shit. I think they're making it up. Maybe they didn't even really, oh, maybe they didn't even really die. Me? I died. My kidneys were full of blood. My pants were full of shit and piss. My heart wasn't pumping. No blood was going to my brain. They had been shooting, oh, a tropine into me. Those sharp sticks in my side, trying to hit my kidneys. The wire brush sensation turned out to be the defibrillator. They were using it to force my heart to pump the atropine through my system and shuttle the bo- oh, shuttle the blood back to my brain. I know I was dead because I have come back. Life hasn't been the same. I lost something in the death process. Not all of me came back from the blackness. The people around me can't tell, but I can. I'm not as aggressive or passionate as I used to be about literally anything anymore. Something essential is gone. I don't know if I'll ever find it again or if it's just lost forever. It's a small thing, but it's enough for me to know... um, Oh, it's enough for me to now carry an orange. Oh, oh my God. I thought, I, I'm like reading my own notes. And I thought he was carrying around an orange. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It's enough for me to now carry an orange do not resuscitate card in my wallet. I don't go out of the house without it. I know that the first thing that emergency responders do is establish an airway. The second thing that they do is go through your wallet to find out who you are. I want to make sure as hell that they find that DNR DNR card next time. I want them to leave me in the blackness. Maybe I can get back that part of me that I lost. And that's the end of the story, but I'm like... I don't know. The story like creeped me out so bad when I first read it. I'm like, what? I mean, I get like, if, if you're feeling like really like it's pleasant, like it's a nice experience, but the way he describes, like, it really doesn't sound like it's all that pleasant. Like I get like, that's how he felt, but just being in the blackness, that sounds awful. I, I don't know. That would freak me out so bad, but I was going to come up with like another couple of stories for people that have died and come back. But I mean, most of them are just generally speaking, like they die, they see this bright white light. They feel this like sensation of just like being pulled up through like a dark tube. And then all of a sudden they're with, you know, family members, you know, friends that have passed away. And then generally they just get shoved back down and then wake up and they're all disappointed. So... I don't know. I feel like everyone's heard those stories. So I looked really hard to find this one, which was, it's not overly pleasant. You know what I mean? So it was a little different. 
So this kind of brings me into what we're going to look at next. And basically what's next is it's called the Anku. Okay. And they go by churchyard dark guardians, um, the black dogs, things that people see when someone dies or right before someone dies. Sometimes it can be seen as like a, uh, an omen, um, an omen of death, uh, it's it's really quite creepy, and a lot of people claim to have seen these things before someone was, you know, died and ferried to the afterlife. The Anku, like death, is often shown wielding a scythe, um, but it's also depicted holding a lance, a spear, or an arrow, sometimes even a sword. Whatever the form of this weapon, it would be used to strike down each of his victims. It's often said that his deathly tool is sharpened by the bone of the deceased victim. He's said to have two ghostly helpers that have, like, hidden features. Oh, oh, sorry. Yawning. <laughs> um... So they have like really hidden features. You can't really like distinguish who they are or where they came from. They generally just like walk alongside of the car or like the the coach as they call it. And they, they help load the souls of each of the deceased um, into like the back of this like wagon once he's collected them. The Anku um, and his like two, you know, henchmen type people will often like travel around particularly dark roads or lanes, um, and it'll almost look like a funeral procession. In folklore, these roads or lanes may be acquainted with lich ways or like corpse roads, which were the routes that were used to like transport, transport the, um, the dead to places of like burial, like a, like a graveyard or, you know, churchyard or wherever they're, you know, they were putting them. Um, in the medieval period, when churches existed to have, like, further, <laughs> I'm not saying that's right. When the churches existed in the part of, like, the burial, like, generally, like, we'll always have somebody that will come and, like, officiate things and whatever, say their last rites to whoever passes. But they used to actually take on the burial as well, um... But they, let me see, often they kind of have like their own dedicated church and burial rites, and the lich ways sometimes became disused. And often like these dark paths, tracks, or, you know, lanes or whatever have become linked with spirits and ghosts of the dead. Okay, so... It's always like a weird, like supernatural phenomena. And, you know, of course, the harbinger of death himself, the Anku, usually haunts these roots. Okay, so it kind of gets really confusing with this legend because there is always some, I don't know, person's perspective that kind of makes things confusing. So the Anku generally like appears at dusk or in the dead of night and is active all year round and especially powerful on like All Hallows Eve, which is, you know, Halloween. Um, the owl is often linked with his appearance, okay? And it always cries out when he is near. The bird is also known in Brittany that the Anku bird or the death bird. So to see the Anku is an omen of death and, and it's predicted of your, you know, imminent de demise if you do see him. As often as he would arrive when someone were dying or passing, he generally, like, collected the souls, okay? And, like, he's almost like the gatekeeper, you know, to the, to the afterlife. Um, he's also known to protect graveyards and souls that exist in and around them. In Brittany, uh, there are many ossuaries, or otherwise known as like a building that was used as like a final resting place, kind of like a mausoleum, um, which have these like carved stone figures in the guise of the Anku who protected those um, and those you know remains that are lie inside. 
He can be heard sometimes protecting the dead that rest inside the cemetery when the sepulcher like shrieks or wails, cry out. Like it's always like a warning to those who wish to disturb the dead that he stands as guard. Immortality is always a huge part of this as well because the sky obviously just doesn't die. <laughs> um, one of the cool things about this too, there's also a legend, like legendary part of it where he is replaced with the last person that he ferries at the end of the year. So every, you know, December 31st, pretty much, he would um, pick his last person up and they, oh my God, and then they would replace him and he would become the new Anku. So it's, it's really crazy. But here is um, one of the stories that I had come across. It, it's really cool. Um, it starts out as, I was told of a story whilst as a child um, that my grandfather had spoken of, which he had always remembered um, from his childhood days whilst he was living with his parents and siblings at a college in Gelendeg a hamlet of the outskirts of Merthyr, uh, Tideville, uh, once a coal and iron mining town in the valleys of South Wales about an old lady who lived in one of the row cottages. He said that the old lady often reported seeing a phantom funeral procession pass down the old track behind the cottages on the old road to Swansea. Swansea. Swansea? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> and then she was always remarked that somebody in the locality would soon be dead. And she always prophesized this. And just as she prophesied, there was a death, usually within days or within a week that that ghostly horse drawn funeral cart was seen. Of course, the story was not uncommon across the country as many people will, you know, have read or heard from older members of their family of such a spectacle. It was often announced that the demise of a neighbor and often it was an elderly person whom saw such a phantom omen themselves closer to the secrets of the grave than the captivated children whom hear of such. Such similar stories include the funeral procession or the death coach that have been told in England and Wales since the Middle Ages. Sometimes these black coaches, when linked with stately homes and gentry, Tales reported um, these coaches are often in control of a figure viewed as death or of a headless soul with the black horses drawn the coach throughout the lanes and up the drives of estates, and they always foretell a death within the family. So just as the folklore surrounding the Anku, these stories still persist in a similar form throughout the ages. Also throughout my life, I have sometimes been the receiver of premonitions of death or sudden illness, even or often whilst in a dream state, and often these premonitions come true either within days or within a week. I have also, on occasion in the dead of night, heard a oh heard a cart stop. Sorry, heard a cart stop outside my home, but horses, hooves, and the foreboding feeling comes over me, and I just know that death has come to visit, but not to take someone away, rather to let me know that a family or relative or friend has died acting more like a messenger than a taker of life. I think that most of us have had similar experiences, which mark out the story of the Anku and the death as someone that should be remembered because still today, those that hear them just know that there is so much more to this folklore than modern society wants to admit. So I really liked that passage because it kind of, I don't know, brings a little bit more like modern feeling to what's going on. Um, and it, I don't know, it's really interesting. But these stories, they're not like few and far between. Like there is a ton of them, a ton of sightings, a ton of, you know, seeing these guardians, or the black dogs or the Anku. And these really are sketched into the sides of mausoleums and graves and things like that, just to kind of, you know, honor his, 
his memory and to make sure that, you know, the souls are ferried properly and that they're protected on the way home. But neither here nor there. So our next one is actually going to be a good story. I think that you guys will really like this. So there is, I don't know, um, quite a few different alien tales that kind of make it I don't know. I, I get scared of these stories just because like in my mind they it's it's a realistic thing. It's not like um you know being possessed by the devil or you know all this other crazy shit that people think is real and I I mean not that I don't think it's real. I've just, you know, I've never had my own experience like that. I've never witnessed anything like that. So it's hard for me to to take that as seriously as like an alien abduction, for example. Um, I, this one kind of freaked me out. Okay. And most of these are from Reddit. So I'll just, you know, full disclosure, they could be true. They could not be true. Who knows? But I found these really one or these really good ones that I enjoyed reading. So in the fall of 1989, my then husband and our three children were abducted and terrorized every night for six months. My fam or my children, who are now grown, all suffer from PTSD from our experience. We lived on eight acres on a semi-remote location in northwest Montana when our abductors or when our oh my god I'm sorry when our abductions began. I believe the incident started in October. It was fall for sure because it really negatively affected my then husband while he was hunting. It was the most horrific and terrorizing experience that I've encountered to this day. My husband and three children were playing family games in our home when uh, my husband and I saw a streak of fire shooting across the sky. We went outside and saw whatever it was that seemed to have crashed or, you know, fallen from the sky on the upper part of our land. We investigated the next day as it was too dark at the time to see anything. And, you know, anybody that like lives out in the country and anybody that doesn't, like, you know, when you're out in the sticks, like, it gets real dark. <laughs> like, it's a kind of darkness that people in the city just cannot fathom. They cannot even have a clue. Like, when you get to the point where you cannot see your own hand in front of your face when you're walking out in the woods, like, it's a, it's scary. Okay. So, anyways. Uh, the next evening was normal. Um... I'm sorry, the next day was fairly normal. We did notice that the treetops seemed to be burnt, but we found no other evidence that anything had fallen or crashed. It was really quite strange. The next evening was normal. Sorry. Um, We put the children to bed. My husband and I turned in for the evening. Around 3 a.m., we were woken by bright lights coming through our entire house. We were both keenly aware that we were being watched. Recalling what she says um, was her encounter. This is, um, sorry, part of the uh, thing, whatever. Sheila said, I have a scar. I remember when, I remember being hooked to some TV monitor night after night with hundreds of other humans. Those days and hours are etched into our memories. We did report the incidents to our pastor who came and did a house blessing which seemed to help. Now that, uh, that's the end of like the story. It, I felt like there could have definitely been more details in this is a little disappointing, but just the, the sheer content of it was still pretty terrifying. And how the fuck, how the fuck did a house blessing help? It's not freaking spirits in here. Like what is, what is going on? I don't understand. I, I wish I could talk to this person. I it just, that irritated me a little bit at the end there. Okay, and here's another Reddit user. Um, oh, God, how do you even say this? Synodic Oracle. That's that's the name. Weird. So, Synodic Oracle wrote, I had an awful experience that I know I, you know, couldn't have been a nightmare be- um, because I was, I was very young, but I kept getting flashbacks. I would feel sick with fear when I would remember. I woke up. There were people surrounding me or things. I can't remember what they looked like. I screamed and ran from my mom's room, but she couldn't hear me. 
when I pulled the cover from her or from her head, nobody was there. Everything sort of melted around me. There was a canola in my hand, which I'm, I don't know what a canola is. Oh, okay, sorry. Never mind. It explains it. <laughs> and there was a white fluid in a syringe. I screamed, and then they put that into the canola. All right, so the canola is like an IV. I got it now. Sorry, I'm catching up. Um, it hurt so much. It felt like it was burning inside. And I remember the pain. I almost blacked out from the pain. I felt smoke in my throat. It tasted acidic and thick. I pushed my way out of this tube and I ran. I kept on running and they held me down and put more of this fluid in me. The pain almost killed me. Then I blacked out and was back in my room. All night, I tossed and turned in pain. I realized my voice had been totally silenced. The thick smoke in my throat muffled it. I screamed for them to take it out. I did not wake up until um, two in the afternoon. I'm sorry, four in the afternoon the next day. And it, it says 1600. I had to do the math really quick. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And <laughs> my mom... It had to wake me up since it was so late. The veins in my hand were sticking out and I felt itching and stinging pain inside my sharp or inside my fingers. I took painkillers, but nothing helped. What do you think it was? I don't know. That one's pretty scary to me. Is it only one experience though? And what happened later on? Like, did the pain go away? Did you just like suffer for the rest of your life? Like what, what happened? Why, why do these people do this to me? Okay, another Reddit user, Ash Jr. ninety seven, uh, has also you know decided to share his experience, which is really cool. I like it when people do this, but I just hate it when they give so little freaking information. Um, when I was young, about four or five, I had my experience. Up until a few years ago, I thought it was a dream, but it was because it was just like a very like vague memory. But throughout the years, I actually kept getting clearer. Here's what I can remember as of now. I remember being a child. I'm on this table. It was like a slab, like in the middle of this all white room. And it was extremely bright. The room was extremely bright. I was in an outfit that kind of reminded me of a hospital gown. And during this time, I I can't move my body, my head. Um, I can only really look around with my eyes. Suddenly the door opens. It was like an automatic door. Behind the door, it was all white as well. And suddenly... These two people are in the doorway. They're so very tall, probably about seven foot or so, extremely thin and pure black. I couldn't make out any features because of how dark they were. I've dealt with these strange things all my life and scars magically appear. um, Oh, scars magically appearing on my body, bruises when I wake up, etc. And that's the end of the story. Why do you guys do this to me? Uh, that's pretty creepy though. I don't like it. I don't like it. It creeps me out. Okay. So here's another one. This one actually won an award on Reddit. Um, oh my God. Don't tell me that's the username. <laughs> it says yoga underscore, but <laughs> I wish I had a yoga, butt. okay. All right. First time I ever tried to write this down. First time telling anyone outside of my family. I'm leaving out time and location, some other details, because I'm still scared of what might happen with it publicly, I guess. Summer before eighth grade, me and my two friends snuck out at midnight to go walk around the neighborhood and go see these girls in the next block who were having a sleepover. We turn a corner in our our neighborhood and there's this huge black blimp shaped thing like in the sky. Like the pictures of the Hindenburg, but way bigger than that. And as if it was close, if not, you know, closer than that as well, how it would get down, you know, really low in the sky, completely silent in the size of at least four to five football fields across. No exaggeration. Even though I was young, we stared at it entranced, asking each other over and over again, if we see it, does the other one see it? Do you see it? which we all agree that we do standing there frozen in place. It's like a black polished gunmetal, no lights, no sounds, no nothing. It's just hovering there. And then I I don't know what happened, but time clearly just jumps. 
Next thing I remember is the craft ship, government experiment, whatever the hell it is, has gone. And there's a tiny glowing white barbell thing in the sky. Seemingly slowly falling to the earth with wisps of uh, smoke coming off of it. When two brand new black trucks with silver gearboxes in the back, the F-150 or S-10s, but nicer, came speeding down the street going at about 70 miles an hour in a residential 25 miles per hour zone. After I, oh my God, sorry. Then after that, I remember walking home to one of my friend's houses and going to bed. At that point, it was like five or 6 a.m. and the sun was complete, or the sun was coming up. We all made a promise to tell my dad in the morning because he worked for the city, but we never, we never did tell him. I don't know what happened later in life uh, to one of my friends who was there But the other one was my best friend, and we sort of made an unspoken pact to never talk about it. Don't know how or why we did that. We all grew up, and I sort of lost touch with him, too. We did reconnect over Facebook and such over the years, but it was always something between us. Neither of us wanted to touch or talk about. Looking back on it now, there's no way we could have been the only ones to see it. It wasn't that late at night, and it was over a heavily populated populated suburb in the major city. The idea of this has always scared me more than any sort of possible abduction scenario. There were others. And we are all voluntarily suffering a sort of collective amnesia, except in how we're not. I've thought about the hypothesis, but that scares me too. Plus, I'm not sure if I'd trust the results. I was just a kid then. I'm not sure if I could trust... Um, oh my god, and hypothesis why what's wrong with me hypnosis is what he said not not hypothesized i'm doing good okay i'm not sure if i'd trust the test results i was just a kid then and i'm not sure if i could trust the hypnotist what i do know again is that there's no way it was just the three of us who saw it we're talking a huge thing hovering in the sky directly above hundreds of houses just after midnight on a summer weekend night. But nothing in the news, nothing in the paper, nothing on TV, no words spoken about it again, ever, by anyone. This is a true story. I'm a little older than, you know, average around here, but I, I think that I know what creepypasta and stuff like that is. This happened. And there's no way that I'm the only one who remembers. No way. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. So, I always have a hard time with these because, well, one, the this lack of details. And yeah, I mean, it, it's great that your friend was there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, it, come on. What's going on? Where's your friend at now? Why can't you talk about it? Why does no one ever want to talk about these things? Nobody ever wants to sit here and have like a, a discussion about uh, some crazy shit that you just saw. I would have been talking about it for weeks. I talk a lot, which is why I started this podcast because I can sit here and talk to myself and then people actually listen to it. It's really strange. But point being is that there's absolutely no reason for y'all to not be having discussions about it and trying to figure out, you know, what the hell that was. I don't know. Whatever. But here's another one that was actually pretty good. My mom tells a story of her and her friend. Let's call her friend Lisa. My mom and Lisa were teenagers and they were up on the roof of Lisa's house. And they see a bright light in the sky. The next thing they know, the light is gone. Thing is... They think they've been on the roof for like 15 minutes, but something like three hours had passed. Now this shit scares me. Okay. Sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. Um, mom doesn't remember anything about what happened during that time. And Lisa simply refuses to talk about it. She would answer my mom, you know, with things like, I don't know, you know, just drop it for a long time. So A couple months later, mom moves away, loses contact with Lisa for about 10 years, and she finally meets up with her again and immediately notices that something is odd about Lisa. Lisa appears very, like, distant to her and very dreamy, like, in her demeanor. Um, Like, she was really happy and at peace for no good reason. 
After they talk for a bit, Lisa brings up the incident on the roof. Mom says she still doesn't really remember anything about it. But Lisa remembers. She remembers everything. She said that at first it was in bits and pieces and she couldn't remember any of it clearly. She was confused and scared and wanted to avoid discussing it. Then, as time passed, she began to remember more of it. She remembers it all clearly, and she remembers the other three times that she was abducted after that clearly as well. At first, they paralyzed her somehow. They did all sorts of invasive experiments on her. But by the most recent time, they'd stopped probing her and began to talk with her. They didn't speak English or any other human language, but she could understand everything that they said, even though they... She can't speak their language herself. Apparently, they told her all sorts of things about space, stuff, Earth, itself, and most shockingly, predicted years beforehand that she would get pregnant in a specific year, and it would also be a stillborn, which is so awful. Oh my god. And then she would never be able to have children again after that. They also told her that it was not their fault, and they have even made an attempt to save her from this fate, but they were unsuccessful. They told her that they had abducted my mother another time after this incident, after the first incident. Mom says that she has no recollection of any other potential abductions, but she does have recurring nightmares about being abducted. But she's almost always sure that they're just that, nightmares. Anyway, Lisa tells my mom that every time she speaks with them, she comes to understand the truth more and more. When mom inquires about what the truth is, Lisa says that you will know eventually. And she says that once she's learned of the truth, then everything became wonderful. Mom has seen her a few more times over the years and we still live in another state away from her. And she apparently has a pretty normal life and doesn't, like, obsess over alien stuff like some supposed alien abductees do. She only ever brings it up in passing, not like it's a central part of her daily life. Now, that shit was fucking crazy. What is the truth? I want to know. Where is this Lisa? I will definitely be talking to her. Like, I want to talk to her. I wish that was her real name. Like, I want to know who she is. I want to talk to this person. (sighs) So crazy. Okay, here's another one. I can't say for sure what happened to me that night, but here's what I know. I was driving home for the weekend from school at Indiana University. It takes me about two hours to get home. I left Bloomington around 10 p.m. And at exactly 10.53, I'm on a roll stretch of road and the two-lane highway, a rural stretch of the two-lane highway that I take home. And I noticed what appeared to be flashing lights behind me. I thought, great, I'm getting pulled over. So I turned on to the next country road as a quarter mile from me, where I noticed the lights about a quarter mile, oh my God, about a quarter of a mile away from me, as I, where I noticed the lights. As the car comes to a stop, I stared at my open glove box and get out my registration proof of insurance, the light suddenly dispersed and no car drove past at all now here is where the story takes a turn for the weird and i'm sure you guys will think that i'm making it all up because it really does kind of seem like something straight out of like a typical like ufo movie or a story the electronics in my car started going haywire the radio was randomly changing stations while the volume kept going up and down while the dome light and the headlights start to flicker and turn off and back on It was at 10.56 p.m. I start thinking to myself that my battery must be failing or I have a short somewhere in the electrical system of my car. So I lean down to pop the hood so I can get a good look at the the car battery. And the next thing I remember doing... Oh, and that was the last thing I remember doing. The next thing I know, I open my eyes and see nothing but the night sky full of stars. It was cold. And it seemed like I had never seen stars that bright in my life. I I sat up looking around. I saw absolutely nothing, nothing at all. I was in the middle of a field surrounded by corn stalks left over from the recent harvest. I stared out. Oh, I started to come to my senses and I started to freak out. Where am I? Why the fuck am I in the middle of a field? Where the fuck is my car? 
I got up and started walking towards the distant headlights I could see from the road about a half mile away. When I got to the nearest intersection, I looked at the signs, which read 350 North and 50 West. Oh my goodness, sorry. I was half a mile away from my car, which was just off the right... Was, oh my God! Which was just right off the main road. I started walking toward the headlights and I could see the main road. I can't say how long it took me to walk the half mile, but it couldn't have been more than 10 or 15 minutes. When I arrived in my car, all the lights were out. My battery had died, which struck me as odd because I couldn't have been gone for that long. I looked at my phone, which was sitting on the passenger seat. The time was 2.17 a.m. Over three hours had passed since I turned off the re- or since I turned off and onto the side of the road for the flashing lights behind me. I remember sitting in my car completely dumbfounded, wondering what the hell had just happened to me. Okay. After about a half an hour of just sitting there, uh, I remembered that my battery was dead. So I, I got on the phone and I called AAA to come out and give me a jump. It took them about an hour to get to me since I was a good distance away from the nearest town, during which time I just sat in silence running through the possibility or the possible scenarios in my head concerning what had just happened to this day. I couldn't tell you what really happened to me that night. All I know is I can't think of any plausible explanation as to why I woke up. Why am I yawning so much? Oh my God, I have no control. I'm sorry. I'm boring myself, apparently. <laughs> okay. Um, why I woke up half a mile away from my car in the middle of a cornfield more than three hours after I had stopped. I only have shared the story with one other person, my uncle. I'm sure people will either look at me like I'm crazy or they would call bullshit on the whole story and I can't blame them. If somebody came to me with a story like that so closely, um, mirrors that, oh, that so closely mirrors like the stereotypical encounter story, I probably wouldn't believe them either. Now that is like, I mean, if that is true, okay, if any, just one, just one of these stories that I told you today, just one, if one was true, would that not make you absolutely like terrified? I'd be losing it. I don't know. It scares me to even think about it. Okay. I think I'll tell one more. I was on a wildfire just south of Dugway Proving Grounds in Utah. We were in fire rigs driving to the incident area and four trucks in close convoy when we heard helicopters. Eight black military choppers escorted us in formation for like 10 miles or so. We assumed that they were just doing drills and using us for fake target practice or something like that. A little while later, we are parked and about to start hiking to the fire when suddenly a thin column of smoke shoots probably about 200 feet in the air. It was a good mile away to the concussion. Oh, it was a good mile away, but the concussion was pretty significant. And when it hit us and the noise, it was just ridiculously loud. Um, We thought that it was probably no big deal. We knew that we were near a strike zone. A good five minutes later, an aircraft like nothing I had ever seen flew by us and at maybe 500 feet. It was flat, black, and sort of rectangular, but with fins as well. Um, Oh, fins and wells on the underside. It was moving pretty slow and it was dead silent. So I had to assume that it was some sort of stealth glider. It sounds ridiculous, but it immediately reminded me of like a huge like flying Batmobile. Um, Time Burton era. After one of the... Oh, after that, some military personnel got on our radio frequency and instructed us to leave the area immediately. When our crew chief asked who it was and why they signed off and the incident commander, the guy in charge of managing the entire situation, came on the radios and said that we were evacuating the area. They sent us to a completely different fire about a hundred miles south, and they never told us why. Except it was higher priority, which was bullshit, 
it was already out when we got there and we just assisted crews on the mop up uh, operation. The thing continues to confuse me. And what's what the most confusing part is that the army didn't want us to see that shit or if it was dangerous, why, you know, didn't they keep us clear of that area in the first place? Either communications breakdown or they had now shit they had a now shit situation going on um and they had to get us out of there without warning so that was pretty creepy pretty weird (laughs) all right well thank you guys and i hope that you have a wonderful rest of your weekend thought I was done didn't you now I got one more up my sleeve for those who decided to stay and wait and see um it's kind of a new thing I kind of want to do maybe every episode I'll give a secret story to those who stick around to the end okay so this one is pretty creepy one more alien story and this is from Reddit by a user named Alhazred, Alhazred01, whatever. We know how to say it, whoever this is. Okay, so before I get into this, I just want to say some things. First of all, I'm currently typing this out on an iPhone, so please forget, forgive any atrocious autocorrect misspellings. I'm 28 years old, male. I live right outside of Chicago on the border of uh, northwestern Indiana. I'm currently pursuing a BAS at Purdue. I'm not exactly what you would call scientifically illiterate, and I consider myself fairly mentally sound. I've never had any problems on that front. I've only ever openly discussed this with one other person before. And, well, I guess it wasn't another one other person. Um, it was a random, you know, Kiora question that caught my eye also anonymously. So I'm still not very good at discussing it openly and only about two people who know me know about what happened to me. I have avoided talking about it for a very long time, fearing the stigma associated with the topic, especially in the professional and scientific communities. I was immensely relieved when the people I did open up to about it believed me unquestioningly, and the result of this is me typing this here today. Go easy on me, please. That all being said, I've been trying for a few years to come to terms with something that happened to me. It was almost five years ago to the day, shortly after my 23rd birthday. My father was very sick, and so I was staying with my parents at the time to help take care of him in the house. I woke up in the middle of the night. It was a warm, oh, it was warm, but I could hear and feel the breeze from the fans. I need to go to sleep. I reached over and grabbed my phone, checked the time, 3.31 a.m. I put the phone back down and tried to get settled back into the comfortable position that I was in. However, after a moment, I realized I could hear and feel humming. I knew right away it wasn't from the fans. It was very deep. I could actually feel it in my body. Our house is by some train tracks, so first, you know, I thought maybe it was just a train, but I quickly realized that it wasn't that either. While I was laying in bed wondering what it was, I noticed for the first time that my door was open. My door is never open during the night. Hell, even during the day. Never, ever. And I could see a light shining down the hallway into my room. At first, I thought maybe my dad was going to the bathroom and had his flashlight out. But then I realized the light was wrong. It wasn't the right color. As I watched, it started to get brighter until it looked like someone had set up a white-slash-blue LED array in the middle of the hallway in the kitchen. As the light got brighter, so did the humming. I tried to jump up to go investigate, fearing an intruder when I realized I couldn't move. Well, let me clarify. I could move my hands and my neck, my feet but it was like someone had placed 
like straps over my limbs and torso. After a brief moment of transcendent terror and confusion, I thought to myself, okay, maybe this is just like sleep paralysis. I've heard of that before. I've of course read about it and never experienced anything like this. Right after the thought, I, I realized I could do, oh, I could no longer feel the bed under me. I started rising in the air and gently floating, or lack of a better word, you know, to my doorway and the light. I know how this sounds, but I'm 110% serious. Please just stay with me. As I levitated through the door into the hallway, I had a clear view into my parents' room. The door was to the right, oh, no, to the right of mine, um, on the left-hand side of the hall when walking down to my room, or when walking out of my room. If you take a step, turn 90 degrees, and take another step, you're in their room. Anyway, I could see them laying on the bed. I started screaming, begging for help. They didn't move. In fact, I couldn't see them breathing. At that moment, I was convinced they were dead and I was about to be next. The moment of pure, unadulteristic panic caused something to snap. To snap in me. In the blink of an eye, I found I could move my arms again and I flailed impotently into the air. I eventually got my hands on the doorframe and clung on for dear life. I gripped that frame like my life depended on it because in that moment, I wholeheartedly believed that it did. To my dismay, I realized that my fingers were slowly starting to slip as I continued to be pulled away inexorably down the hall toward the kitchen and I dug my nails in as hard as I could to try and stop it. And in a quick burst of pain and terror, I lost my grip and continued to float. Typing this part makes me feel ridiculous. I know how it sounds. A few more seconds of terrifying levitation and I was in the kitchen, floating with the top of my head facing our back door in a large, it's a large sliding glass door, and I could see that this is where the light was shining from. Something felt about as bright as the sun was hovering over our pool. Sorry, my dogs are walking around and it's super loud. Guys, go lay down. I'm really sorry. <laughs> we have a large ingrown pool almost smack dab in the middle of the backyard, which is entirely fenced in with a 10-foot privacy fence. Whatever this had or whatever this was, it had to be directly over the water, maybe a couple of feet off the ground. I took all of this in within a heartbeat and still in a state of terror, I will never be able to adequately explain when I felt the breeze. The back door was wide open, but for the life of me, I can't tell you if it had been open all along or if it had just been opened in front of me. At that moment, I slowly began to settle back down onto the floor. I felt the cold floor on my back as the shirt had lifted slightly. Right as I touched the ground, I saw them. If I thought I had been afraid before, it was nothing compared to this moment right here. One stepped in and took a step to stand over me at my side. It took or it looked down at me and from my perspective on the floor, I could tell this thing was fucking tall. If if I had to guess, I would say it was seven, you know, ten, maybe eight feet at least. We have nine foot ceilings in the kitchen and its head was shockingly close to the ceiling. The light was so painfully bright at this point, I didn't get to take in the whole, a whole lot of detail. It was kind of shadowed as the light was behind us, but two more stepped in and took their place at my side, each of my shoulders, standing by the door, almost like guards, keeping in mind this all happened fairly quickly. And in this moment, I began to have the idea of what it is. The terror is unspeakable. I remember thinking that they don't look anything like how they're portrayed in the movies. They were skeletal. Their skin looked like it was, well, I have no idea, but it, it didn't look like our skin. It just felt strange. One standing to the left of me had something in its hand. I turned my neck to get a better view. I could take in a little more of its form, its fingers. Christ, I can't even describe what I'm seeing. Those fingers. That's what did it to me. They were almost spider-like. 
way too long, way too many joints. To this day, it's probably the one image that sticks out the most. It, it clutching, oh, it was clutching this black, maybe gunmetal or darker silver, hard to tell because it was smooth like glass and the light was obscuring it a lot. It, it reminded me almost of an iPhone without any power. It was thinner, shaped almost like a remote and, or a very short rod with a squarish like shape around the edges, just smooth glass like thing. Its fingers moved over it and every single muscle in my body tensed up. The air shot into my lungs as the expanded, as they expanded all the way and every single limb shot straight out. Like I was on a plank of wood. My jaw was clenched so tight. I thought my teeth were going to shatter. I lost all control. The only thing I could move at this point were my eyes. And even then very little. It was like the signals from my nervous system were completely disrupted. And another foreign single signal was being imposed in their place. The two standing behind me above. Am I still laying flat on my back? Shuffling forward a bit, I start to rise back up again. I feel fingers on my shoulders and I began to hover out the door. And the second I get out the door, the light is so overwhelmingly powerful. And then nothing. I wake up in my bed. It's 5.45 a.m. I'm sweating bullets. My stomach hurts. I get up, start going about my morning routine. I try to shrug off the experience as a dream and it works. When I'm about to get in the shower, I notice a very sharp pain. I look in the mirror and I have bruises everywhere. Arms, ankles, thighs. But the worst of them were on my shoulders and back. Very clearly what looked like handprints, albeit elongated ones. I throw up instantly. I try to pull myself together and head back to my room. I see my door frame. I see the scratches. They line up with my fingers. I see the wood in the blood under my fingernails. I have never entirely come to terms with this. My fiance has encouraged me to share, but it still feels deeply uncomfortable and jarring to even talk about it. I've typed this. My hands have dropped to what feels like sub-zero temperatures. My whole body is shaking. I'm sure if I asked my, my fiance, she would tell me that she was also, that I'm also extremely pale, even more than usual. This is what happens every time I think about it. After many nights I've spent doing research, watching YouTube videos of ufologists or conferences, reading people's reports, and the same thing always happens. Physiological response every time. And after a lot of reading and watching, I realized I had another experience. When I was five years old, it was my clearest childhood memory and my earliest most of my childhood is hazy, and I have snapshots, but this one memory I have is exponentially clearer than anything else. Although I've quietly, oh, I've relatively recently shrugged it off as a quirk of being young, but I was never the imaginative, the oh my gosh, the imaginative child that claims to see what they imagine. I always had an extremely firm grasp on reality versus imagination, which is why this earlier episode stands out. It went something like this. I'm five. It's Easter morning. I wake up super excited to go see my Easter basket. My mom always went way overboard and it was essentially Christmas and spring. Only child, FTW. I don't, I don't know what that means. I feel like an old person right now. I'm sorry. Some of you guys will have to tell me what that means later. Anyway, I jump up and sneak out of my room. It's just before dawn. Still dark out, but light is starting to refract around the horizon, making everything that dark twilight. I sneak downstairs. Oh, I sneak down the hallway, well aware my parents are still asleep and hoping that they'll wake up soon so I can tear into the massive basket of toys and candy. As I get to the end of the hallway and peek into the living room, I see it. At first, I think my parents are up, but as I get a clear look at it, this part is slightly fuzzy. I remember it. It was big, tall, gray. Something about its skin made me think of short fur. So uh, naturally, I, I thought that 
it was the Easter Bunny. Or that my dad had dressed up as the Easter Bunny. The things actually... Oh, the things actual form eludes me. Just that it was tall and gray and... The weird thing is, when I picture it in my head, everything else in the scene is crystal clear. Everything except that. I can see it in my head, and it's like someone put like a blur filter over this thing's shape. Like, what they do for people's faces on, like, crops. Maybe that's where I got the impression of the fur. Maybe it really was blurry in my life. Like, active camouflage or... It was done after the fact, assuming that it was what I now believe it to be. As I said, this experience cannot be substantiated by physical evidence, so I just shrugged it off until recently. But something about that memory would often pop into my head. Like when I go to the dentist and everything's great until they lay me down and the light is in my eyes and the drill sets in. Since the primary account Oh, since that primary encounter, that is what usually starts the flashing in my head. And the Easter Bunny experience is much less frequent these days, but it still happens all the same. Thanks for sticking around, guys. I hope that that last story was worth it. Have a good night.